helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Everyday Americans, Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. That was a 1979 song by, from the Bungles called Video Killed the Radio Star. Uh, no, I haven't turned this into a music program, but it made me think if video killed the radio star, well, then insecurity killed the republic. Now, the COVID scandemic, the out of control Department of Injustice, uh, even the subjugation of America law to international organizations are merely symptoms of a more serious problem our own insecurity. See, there was a time in America when a man's home was his castle and he was expected to defend it. We were expected to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Not that we never needed help, but that you were primarily responsible for yourself. That if someone cheated you, you bore some of the responsibility for not protecting yourself. Now, all of that changed as we turned over to government, especially the feds, all of those responsibilities. We don't expect to have to protect ourselves. That's what we have police for. We don't need to make sure that what we buy or what we invest in is safe. Well, that's what we have regulatory agencies for. And we don't have to worry about being cheated. We have regulations to prevent crimes before they can ever happen. But all of this has failed. The government does not keep you safe. The government does not provide for you very well. And the American people are regularly cheated in spite of all those laws and regulations that are supposed to prevent it. See, when life made us insecure, we turned to government to be our nanny. Now the same government is doing what we wanted them to protect us from. And because we are too insecure to teach ourselves or our children, the very idea of standing up for yourself seems almost lost. In America. Again, welcome everyday Americans. This is the Constitution study, and today we're going to focus on John Jay's admonition to teach not just the rising generation to be free. I want to expand that to teaching ourselves to be free, to learn what it means to be a free people, for America to be the land of the free. But we can't be the land of the free if we are not the home of the brave, and this insecurity is what has destroyed so much of the republic. So let's start today with this idea of occupational licensing. See, we were were told that, well, there are certain occupations. They have to get a license from the government to, well, to keep you safe, to to make sure that that what they're doing is is safe and they're following proper procedures. And that is all hogwash. I mean, that may be their intent, but occupational licensing does not keep you safe. And I can prove it. And I bet you each and every one of you have, uh, have experienced this. Now, the state licenses drivers. And I often have a lot of very interesting dis- uh, debates about the legitimacy of that. But that's not my point here. The state says, in order for people to be safe on the road, all drivers must pass certain tests and they must get uh, uh, acquire a license from the state in order to legally drive on public roads. I'm sure each and every one of you have encountered some idiot on the road 
that doesn't follow the rules. Now, probably even today, sometime today, if you were out and about, you found some idiot that, well, they didn't use their, their turn signals, um, you know, they, they passed where they weren't supposed to, they were going well above the speed limit, they were just driving recklessly. All of this happens, even though each and every light driver is licensed by the state. Well, if the state is that bad at licensing drivers, what makes you think they're any good at licensing occupations? My barber, I, I talk with him frequently about this, my barber has to go through hours of retraining every, I think it's every year, in order to renew his license to cut hair. Now, listen, unless you're your you're barber, your hairdresser, whoever cuts your unless they are really, really, really bad, the worst thing that's going to happen to you if this person is incompetent is a bad haircut, and hair grows. It's not like, you know, uh, uh, sure, maybe, maybe you might get a cut. Right? Somebody's using a scissors or a razor, and, and there's a nick. And, of course, if things aren't uh, uh, clean, well, then you could possibly get an infection. And, of course, if you didn't treat the infection, it could turn into a serious illness. But you're telling me that somebody must spend hours of training to cut to cut hair, or in some places to simply braid hair. I remember seeing that article a few years back where people are spending, and again, these these things aren't free. He's got to pay for the classes. He's got to pay for the license. There are people that are paying thousands of dollars and hours of time to get approval from the government to braid hair. Now, this came to mind because the Virginia uh, legislature is looking at a bill that would basically, uh, they, they call it comedy. What, what in, in plain vernacular, what it is, is reciprocity. They would recognize, I guess, certain occupational licenses issued from other states. But I want you to think about the purpose of the license. See, the purpose of the license, since it, it, it while it's stated person may be to keep you safe or, or make sure that you have certain, that the person you're, you're, you're dealing business with has certain skills, but really, is a bunch of bureaucrats the best people to determine what is necessary or what is, is a pro, is proper skill set? Take an airline pilot. Now, listen. I want an airline pilot that has skills. Most airline pilots, especially ones I've talked to, these are tremendously professional people. They have a tremendous set of skills. And we don't think much about it, right? You hop on the airplane, you get your seat, maybe a pillow, you complain about the people around you, you get to your destination, and 999,999 times out of a million, nothing happens and you don't care. It's that one time in a million. When things go sideways, you want to have a good pilot. But the question is, is the federal government really the best people to determine what the qualifications for a pilot is and to, um, to, to, to regulate that, to enforce that? In other words, to establish the tests because they're primarily bureaucrats. Same thing for cutting hair. Or how about here at the Constitution study? You know, it's, it's interesting, the... Um, the Sixth Amendment says at a criminal trial, you have the right to counsel. It doesn't say you have a right to a licensed attorney. 
But in all 50 states of the union, if I give people legal advice, I've committed a crime. Why? Because I'm not licensed by the states, which is why I frequently say I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I don't give legal advice. I give you my opinion. By the way, even to to have the opportunity to argue a case, to bring my knowledge into a case beyond writing a a, a paper, I need approval from the government. See, if if I want to to, uh, testify, I either have to be brought in by a licensed attorney or I'm not allowed in. I'm not allowed to, to sit in the witness stand. If someone has a case and they want me on their legal team to advise them, I'm not allowed in because I'm not licensed. I don't have a bar number. And even worse, if all I want to do is submit some some information, some of my research, I'm not allowed to. Because in order for me to serve to to submit what's called to submit a brief, I have to get permission from the court, and the court only wants the licensed attorneys approving briefs. So what these occupational licenses actually do is limit your ability to get good information. But Paul, what if the information you give is not good? Well, then double check it. In other words, uh, let me provide you my evidence and then you decide whether or not to use it. But with the number of times we see the bad actions, the malfeasance of attorneys, licensed attorneys, attorneys that argue the opinion of a judge supersedes the Constitution of the United States, they're not doing a good job. They're actually contributing to the problem. But I'm boxed out, and others like me are often boxed out because we didn't spend the, the, the tens of thousands of dollars to go to law school and to, and, and to get a, a law license and then to get approved by each state's uh, a, a bureaucratic group of lawyers. Now, it's interesting because I often complain about the Bar Association, not the idea behind the Bar Association. See, the idea of, I have a better idea. How about we just have a competing groups of, of um Certifications. See, when I was in IT, I would get certification. Meaning, I, I didn't go to a class well, with, with one or two exceptions. Uh, I wasn't required to go to a class. I was required to, prov- to prove I had certain knowledge. If I wanted to be certified in some aspect of, of a Microsoft program, I had to take a test that proved I understood it. Same thing when I worked at, at IBM. I had to pass certain tests at Cisco. I proved my knowledge by a test developed by the people who owned and operated the product. Why don't we do the same thing? You want to have licensed barbers? How about you just have a group that says, hey, um, pass our test, maybe submit to an inspection, and you get to put our label in your window. You know, kind of like the old, the, the uh, was it UL Laboratories, right? If you voluntarily turned over your product to UL, they would test it. If it was approved, they would allow you to use the UL logo in your literature and advertising. Well, what if we had multiples of those? What if they had, say, half a dozen different uh, barber and hairdresser 
organizations, and they had a published set of standards, and they would take responsibility for vetting barbers and hairdressers and hair braiders. And if they passed, well, they could wear the logo. And and as a consumer, I could go and verify the tests. You know, I could maybe check out a website. Oh, yeah, this person's been licensed. They've passed their last inspections. Okay, I will give them a try. See, that's liberty. But we're afraid. Oh, my God, I might make a mistake. We need government to decide for us. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, Bernie Sanders saying, you don't need 47 different brands of underarm deodorant. You know what? Maybe we do. Maybe we need 47 different occupational licensing or certification boards. Because putting it in the hand of the government has done nothing but destroy liberty, freedom, and of course, prosperity. Now, there's another uh, uh, article, and I thought this is a good example of what happens when we, when we expect government to regulate rather than dealing with things ourselves. See, there was a, there was a hurricane that came through, uh, I think it was sometime last year, and um, the Puerto Rican islands were just, they were, they were devastated. And they needed fuel. They needed fuel to run the vehicles. They needed fuel to run the, the, the generators. And guess what? There was an oil tanker literally right offshore, right in the neighborhood. But you see, that tanker was not allowed to dock. They weren't allowed to provide to the Puerto Ricans what they so desperately needed. Now, why was it? Was it because, well, uh, that, was a, that, that tanker was flagged from some... Uh, you know, country that was going to use it to invade Puerto Rico. I don't think so. Was it because they were going to price gouge and we couldn't let them to price gouge? No, do you know why? Something called the Jones Act. Now, the Jones Act, also known as the Merchant Marine Act of 1820, forbids shipping anything between American ports in ships that are not U.S. built and crewed. I want you to stop and think about that. Okay, so here you have a, a tanker. You have a, 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 a protectorate of the United States, Puerto Rico. You have a, a tanker that left a U.S. port with oil in it. And it was not allowed to dock because of the Jones Act. Because it was not U.S. built or it was not U.S. crude. Now, uh, of course, the... Uh, uh, the shipping industry, the shipping lobby, they love the Jones Act. Why? Well, you know, American, American made, America, American made. Um, and I understand some logic behind that, right? Uh, it, it, you know, are there certain things that we would, would, from a, 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 a national security standpoint, prefer to be on U.S. built, U.S. crewed um, uh, ships? Yes. I mean, if you are trying to. Uh, uh, trying to make us more self-sufficient, I can understand the logic behind that. And of course, Congress can set the laws for international commerce, since shipping is part of commerce. They can say, okay, no, you're not allowed to ship between here and here. You cannot have international commerce between uh, shipping as part of commerce between American ports. But where's the logic of saying we have an emergency? We have a disaster. We have people in Puerto Rico that need fuel. 
how about we just suspend the Jones Act during this time of crisis? Ah, see, that would make too much sense. And oh, by the way, if you happen to live in Hawaii, this Jones Act costs the average Hawaiian family approximately $1,800 or more a year. It's one of the reasons why it's so expensive. The cost of living is so high in Hawaii because of the Jones Act. So this is another example of a law supposedly meant to protect American shipping actually harming the American people, especially in a time of crisis. Now, I've got more examples, but I have to take a break. Before I go, though, I want to remind you that you can find out more at the website, constitutionstudy.com. You can ask a question. You can contact me. You can sign up for one of my mailing lists. They're all there. Also, if you're like people in my family who sometimes have a hard time falling asleep, well, Healthy Cell has a sleep supplement designed to to support all four stages of sleep. Now, Healthy Cell is a leading innovator in supplements designed to work at the cellular level. Their product, REM Sleep, helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so you can wake up refreshed and ready to go. Now, I use it when I travel. My family uses it when they need to sleep. And as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order. All you have to do is use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please go to HealthyCell.com, put your order together, try the REM Sleep or any of their great products, use that code OUTLOUD at checkout, it lets them know you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait. We wash our nose? Yes. The number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Welcome. 
Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about how our insecurity killed the Republic. Now, again, in the first segment, I talked uh, pretty much about the, uh, uh, I talked about the Jones Act, about occupational licensing and whatnot, but um, I want to take a look at something different. I want to shift gears just a little bit, and that is how our insecurity has led to these quote-unquote wars. I don't mean Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean the war on poverty, the war on drugs, the war on terror. See, these were all situations where bad stuff was happening. People were dying from drugs. People were dying from uh, you know, poverty. But we took these and we turned them into, we have to make it a war. Why do we have to make it a war? Because if it's a war, then it's something government has to deal with. Government doesn't have to deal with, you know, the federal government doesn't have to deal with drug crime or marijuana possession. But you make it a war, well, logically, now it's something the, the feds have to deal with. So we turned all of these things over to federal, quote-unquote, justice or, or security apparatus. We gave, uh, um, we created the, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. Unconstitutional agency, but it's still there. Illegal agency, it's still there. And they've said, well, we've got to do all these things to um, to protect ourselves. You know, we, we got to, we, we, we created laws. You, you have what are called civil asset forfeiture laws, where if we even think that you got this money uh, from an illegal means, we're going to take it until you prove otherwise. Because you had the war on poverty, where we created Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, and all of these, again, illegal, unconstitutional, void programs. But they're still there. And now people don't even bother trying to prepare for retirement. They expect Social Security to take care of them. They expect Medicaid to take care of them. We turned over uh, our, our, all, many of our rights with the, uh, uh, the War on Terror and the Patriot Act. Due process? Nah. Uh, secure from unreasonable search and seizures? Nah. We got rid of all that. Because we gave up protecting ourselves and we turned it over to government. Now, supposedly, the courts were supposed to balance out the, the aggressive tendencies of Congress and, and, and the executive. They were supposed to look at the Constitution and say, I know you want to do this, but the Constitution hasn't authorized that. Well, they failed at that. That goes all the way back to the 1930s when the court caved to President uh, Roosevelt and stopped finding his programs unconstitutional because he threatened to pack the court. So we've turned all these, we've turned these, these nine justices into rulers, into high priests over the Constitution. I can't tell you how many times people say, well, Marbury versus Madison said the courts decide what the Constitution says. It says no such thing. I just had one the other day. And it's funny because he quoted Marbury versus Madison where Chief Justice Marshall said that uh, it is our right, it is our duty to interpret the law. Of course, he ignored the rest of it. Where he says, well, yeah, we have to understand what the law says. We have to look at laws. When two laws are in conflict, we have to decide which one is supreme. Nothing like what we talk about today. So we have these high priests. And of course, if you remember, uh, after the leak of the... Um, Dobbs decision, and then the release of the Dobbs decisions, uh, 
there were protesters outside the homes of justices. Now, it is a violation of federal law to attempt to coerce a federal judge into changing their mind. In fact, the law says, whoever, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duties, pickets or protests in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent used uses any sound truck or similar device to or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under the title under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. So those who protested outside of the residences of several of the justices committed a federal crime. Well, our Department of Injustice is is uh, headed by our Attorney General Merrick Garland, and he recently was testifying in front of Congress, and he was asked by Senator Lee, "What's happened?" Now, the senator said, "We have we've had protesters who have been showing up at the homes of Supreme Court justices, carrying signs, picketing, shouting. It's very clear they're trying to influence, in one way or another, those serving on the United States Supreme Court, trying to influence jurisprudence." And yet not one person, to my knowledge, has been charged, has been prosecuted for such thing under 18 U.S.C. Section 1507. Now, what was the response of the, the chief lawyer and effectively head of the, the head of the Justice Department? I don't know the answer to that. Now, why are we surprised? Because we've turned over to the government you take care of, of, of securing ourselves. We, we're not allowed to, um, to, to deal with this directly. We expect the government to do this. And of course, now you have people that are, are in office that are willing to abuse their power. And I'm not saying this is new, and I'm not saying this is only democratic. But since we turned over the power, it attracts people who are attracted to power. And as the Lord Acton said, power corrupts, and absolute power tends to corrupt. Absolutely. So as we turned over almost absolute power to this Justice Department because we've, we allowed these incompetent judges to behave badly and not be, be, um, be sanctioned for it, we're in the hands of this person. Now, Senator Lee was not done. He asked why uh, uh, the Department of Justice have been arresting pro-life activists, specifically uh, Mark Hook. And he's facing charges, he, he was faced with charges for violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, or the FACE Act. And a jury found him not guilty in something less than an hour. And in fact, uh, the senator went on. In 2022, and for the first couple of months of 2023, DOJ has announced charges against 34 individuals for blocking access to or vandalizing abortion clinics. And there have been over 81 reported attacks on pregnancy centers, 130 attacks on Catholic churches since the leak of the Dobbs decision, and only two individuals have been charged. So how do you explain this disparity uh, by reference to anything other than politicization of what's happening there? 
So Senator Lee, he's asking, why is there such a disparity? Can you explain it with anything other than uh, politicization? This is a political move. Well, Mr. Garland, Attorney General Garland starts out with uh, a, a bit of a statement. The FACE Act applies equally to uh, efforts to um, uh, damage, uh, blockade, uh, um, 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 Clinics, whether a pregnant uh, uh, resource, uh, whether they are a pregnancy resource center, uh, or whether they are an abortion center, it applies equally in both cases, and we apply the law equally. Okay, I want to jump in for just a second because he says, "Well, the Face Act applies, and we, me and the Department of Justice, apply it equally." Well, he's true that the Face Act applies, but I question whether or not they apply it equally. Simply because he says it doesn't mean it's true. There's no, we're looking for facts behind this. But but he goes on, and, and I want you to listen closely to what he says. Um, I will say you're quite right. There are many more prosecutions with respect uh, to the um, um, blocking of the, uh, um, of the abortion centers, but that is generally because they are, those actions are taken in, uh, with photography at the time, um, uh, during the daylight, and uh, seeing the person who did it is uh, quite easy. Uh, the, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a, a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark. We have put full resources on this. Uh, we have uh, uh, asked, uh, put uh, um, uh, rewards out for this. Um, the Justice Department and the FBI have made uh, outreach to Catholic um, and other uh, uh, organizations um, to ask for their help in identifying the people who are doing this. Oh, so the, the Department of Justice will prosecute easy crimes, easy cases. It, they're doing this during the daylight. They're, they're photography. We have all the evidence in the world. The, the other people, they're doing it at night in the dark. And, and I guess at one point I could look at this and go, oh, well, the DOJ is lazy. Um, they're, they're not, they're, they're worried about blocking access, not actual damage. Right, so they're, they're, but, but to me, this says even more. Listen to this. What he said. He said, um, the 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 people they've prosecuted do it in the daytime, in 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 the daylight. There's cameras. They're not hiding it. Could it be because they're not actually committing a crime? See, the problem with the Face Act is uh, how do you define you know blocking access to clinics? Could it be that these people are just activists exercising their right to peaceably assemble their right to freedom of speech, their right to freedom of press, and that the Justice Department is going after them, which is why it's so easy to find. They're not hiding it because what they're doing is not a crime for the most part. Well, those who are actually uh, uh, attacking and damaging and, and, and committing arson against, pro against pro-life pregnancy centers, against Catholic churches, they're actually committing crimes. They know they're committing crimes, which is why they try to hide the fact that they are the ones committing the crime. Um, we will prosecute every case against a pregnancy resource center that we can make. Uh, but um, uh, these people who are doing this are clever and are doing it in secret. And um, I, I'm convinced that the FBI is uh, uh, trying to uh, find them uh, with urgency. I don't believe a word you say, Mr. Garland. I don't believe they will run every case they can make, but it seems like they're working really hard to make the cases against the pro-life people and really not that hard to go to make the case against the pro-abortion people.
They committed, they were doing SWAT raids on pro-life activists in their homes. But they can't find somebody who, who committed arson at 130 times against Catholic churches. You're telling me there is no cell phone data. There are no security camps. There is no way to identify who was there. I don't believe you. Because this is also the man that said, listen, um, if you're a parent disagreeing with the school board, you may be a domestic violent extremist. Now, Senator Lee wasn't alone. Senator Hawley got in on the game. You use an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. You're supposed to hate long, long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. And then you haul them into court and a jury acquits him in one hour. I just suggest to you that that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. So Senator Hawley, again, points to uh, Mr. Hoke and his arrest, and he doesn't even get how egregious it was. He gives a little hint. But then he goes on to another example of the apparent abuses of the Justice Department. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin Mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin Mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? So here we have, again, I've reported on this before, it, it appears to be uh, evidence that there are at least those within the FBI that are targeting certain religious organizations. I want you to listen to a minute to uh, Mr. Garland's response. The Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. All right, that's a lie because we have evidence that at least some in the FBI were developing in, were doing investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What did you do about it? It's appalling. It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it and it's now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? It's appalling. Oh my God, it's terrible. What are you doing? They say, well, they're looking into it. This is the fox guarding the hen house. The FBI is looking into it. Was the person who issued the memorandum suspended pending investigation? Was the, the, uh, um, the, the inspector general brought in? How about you talk about that? No, there's, we're investigating it. I'll tell you how it happened. The, this memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics. Except there are people in the FBI that are, and Mr. Garland seems to just be ignoring the evidence. And, and as I've said, this is an, uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using. Bingo. These are methods the FBI is not supposed to be using, but obviously is. And his answer is, well, they're not supposed to. And just a few seconds later, Attorney General Garland says this. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment 
um, activity, and uh, uh, Catholic churches are obviously uh, First Amendment activity. Well, as I've said dozens of times, laws don't stop crime. Enforcement of laws do. Well, rules don't stop bad behavior. Enforcement of rules do. So your rule, Mr. Garland, that is obviously being violated by the FBI, which is under your direction, and your only response is, well, they're investigating themselves. So that's disgusting. But we got here because we asked the Department of Justice to protect us against everything, even things you're not legally allowed to. Now, I've got to take another break. Before I do, though, I would like to remind you that, uh, you know, the Constitution study is just one of several voices on America Out Loud. Listen to the radio program, listen to the podcast, but also stop by the website. Go to AmericaOutloud.com each and every day. Find the, the news, the happenings, and then take those stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, and share them. Share them with friends, share them with family, share them with whatever you can. That is how we go about pulling back power from this government and securing the blessings of our own liberty. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan. A plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. And today we're talking about how our own insecurity has destroyed the Republic. I talked about turning over power to, the, to government I talked about the ridiculous licensing and other rules they've created. I spent the whole second segment dealing with the Department of Injustice and how we turned over power to them because we were afraid to deal with them ourselves. We had to turn it over to the government, turn it into a, a quote-unquote war so we could turn it over to the DOJ. It's now the DOI, the Department of Injustice. But again, it's not just that. See, we're seeing more and more how government as a whole, not just federal government, many of the state and local governments, how they ha are taking this power and using it to destroy the republic. For example, uh, three years ago, 
If you were to mention, hey, you know what? It appears that this SARS-CoV-2 virus was developed in a lab in Wuhan. In fact, we even called it originally the Wuhan virus. Well, you were called you were called a racist. You were called a a, a sinophobe. Uh, you were called ignorant. You you had to be deplatformed. You had to be canceled. You had to be censored for even mentioning the possibility. Forget the evidence, right? In the DNA that it was man-made. We couldn't come to find out it was all gaslighting. It was all lies from government to cover up the fact that this was not a naturally created virus and that it was done in a laboratory that was partially supported by the United States government. So they, they didn't allow you to discuss the, the, the facts, the evidence about the oranges of it. Oranges of, what about the response? See, every, we always blame things on COVID-19. And I tell you, COVID-19 did diddly squat to the United States. Yes, people got sick. And yes, a few of them even died. A very few of them even died. But that's not the source of our problems. It was the response from government. Governments at all levels, federal, state, and local, that made the mess, the disaster that we are dealing with today. Now, there's a gentleman by the name of Martin Kaldorf. He is a professor of medicine, and he's currently on leave from Harvard University, but he testified before the House Select Committee on Coronavirus Pandemic in Washington. He said, during the last three years, we have seen the worst public health mistakes in history. Now, uh, Mr. Kaldorf, along with Dr. Bhattacharya, were actually the authors of what is known as the De Great Barrington Declaration, which called for the focus on protection of those at high risk while allowing others to live their lives. Instead, the U.S. at the federal, state, and local level decided to shut down the economy, to, to deprive people of their rights, to promote and coerce the use of an experimental treatment that was never tested for efficacy and whose testing for safety is scientifically a joke. Mr. Kaldorf and I said, the way we dealt with the pandemic was the worst assault on poor people, working Americans, middle-class Americans, since segregation and the Vietnam War. Now, Mr. Bhattacharya uh, said uh, that there needed to be an honest, scientifically-minded evaluation of the pandemic response. He says there is near universal agreement that what we did failed. He went on to say the lockdowns failed to contain the spread. At best, they temporarily protected the laptop class who could work from home without losing their jobs, perhaps 30% of the population, while being served by the working class. Uh, Dr. Marty Makari, he's a professor of surgery at John Hopkins University, said making toddlers wear masks, pushing for healthy young people to get boosters, and telling people to wash their hands like crazy were among the issues he saw in the pandemic response. Later, uh, Dr. Uh, Mr. Makari noted that Dr. Anthony Fauci and other top officials gathered in secret to hold a vote on whether natural immunity should count as one or more doses and after a 2-2 vote, opted to continue as they were, ignoring natural immunity. Now, since we turned over the decision about treatment of our own health to government, 
We did nothing. We listened to the bureaucrats. We listened to the people with, in many cases, a, a financial, a personal, or a political agenda. And now we have, a, we have the President of the United States, Joe Biden, who wants to basically take away many of your rights of conscience. See, back in 2019, then-President Trump issued regulations, or I should say the Trump administration issued regulations that empowered the Department of Health and Human Services to robustly enforce conscience protection laws, meaning avoiding coercing healthcare people or others to do things against their will, against their conscience. Now, for two years now, almost th- actually three years now, right? Because we've only got three, almost three years since the the the, the the fake vaccine disaster. We have seen people coerced, punished to get them to take an experimental treatment. In other words, to violate their conscience as a condition of, of doing a job, getting a contract from the government, even being in the military. And now the Biden administration wants to gut those, he wants to pull those rules back. How dare you have control over your body? How dare you make decisions based on your own conscience. Don't you realize that you're now owned by the federal government in their mind? That you've turned over your decision about health care to the government. You're not allowed to have a conscience anymore. That's the way they think. That's the way they act. And the American people are so insecure, over 200 million people participated, 200 million Americans participated in a medical experiment, and I wonder how many of them did so against their conscience. Because they didn't know they had the right, the authority, the duty to say no. Back in the the 1970s, the Carter administration, under the Carter administration, Congress created the Department of Energy, saying we can control the energy, and now guess what's happening? They also, by the way, created the EPA. And say, we'll protect the environment for you. We'll take care of your energy for you. Except what's happened? See, the Washington Free Beacon did an analysis on uh, the the quote-unquote clean energy economy agenda that Joe Biden keeps promoting. And guess what? We find billions of your dollars, billions of them, going to influential Democratic donors. You know, people like Bill Gates or, or Lauren Powell Jobs. Well, for example, the Energy Department, which, by the way, doesn't legally exist because it's not a power delegated to the United States, they've announced about $3 billion in loans to electric battery companies, uh, Redwood Materials and Lunar. Uh, Both these companies, by the way, received money from Jobs and Gates and other progressive billionaires. In other words, they have a stake in in these businesses. And of course, you know, these are loans and, and there's a great history of, of this loan program. Yeah. See, back under the Biden administration, that very same office, the Loan Programs Office of the Department of Energy, loaned $529 million to Fisker, an electric car company, which declared bankruptcy shortly thereafter and was then got by who? China. So what do we do? Our con- what did our Congress do? With this office that has such a, a, a wonderful track record, they took $300 billion of your money from the Inflation Reduction Act and gave it to the 
Loan Programs Office because we turned over energy decisions in the future. We don't have a choice. What if we decide maybe electric cars aren't the best for everyone anywhere? Not Sorry, government has decided for you. And because of our insecurity, we let them do it, and we're afraid to stand up and say no. Or what about a, a rule from the Department of Labor that says, listen, if you're a manager of a retirement fund, you're not, you don't have to worry just about actually protecting the, the, the funds of the people who have invested in this. Oh, no, no, no. You can worry about environmental and social governance. We're not worried about whether or not you, your money exists and grows. No, we're worried about whether it makes us feel good. Now, the U.S. Senate voted to block that rule. But, of course, President Biden says, well, I'll just veto it. Because he's not interested in, in the money that, that uh, you've invested to pay for your retirement. He's interested in well, a show. And ESG right now is, is one of the things everyone's looking at. And again, I focus a lot on the feds. It's happening at all levels. We see it even, in, again, local school districts. You see, in, in Vermont Division Four state uh, high school championships in that tournament, uh, there's a in that basketball tournament. Tournament the the state of Vermont allows boys to compete in women's basketball. You've got boys competing in the women's basketball tournament. Well, there was one school, the Mid Vermont Christian School. They were the twelfth seed in that tournament. They quit because they didn't want to play against boys. Because their first competitor, Long Trail Mountain Lions, well, they had a boy pretending to be a girl and playing on the girls' team. Now, according to the head of the the Vermont Christians, the Mid Vermont Christian School uh, team. Playing against a man could endanger female players. See, we've turned over to government the idea that you can make up your own gender. You can, you can pretend that boys and girls are exactly the same and it doesn't really matter. It's a safety issue. It's a biology issue. It's a mental issue. And yes, the, the, the girls on the, uh, the Mid-Vermont Christian School basketball team did not get a chance to compete. But you know what they did? They showed character. They showed, listen, we are not going to capitulate to the lie that that dude is a girl. If you're going to play a dude against girls, we pull out. We won't comply with that, even though it costs us. And you know what? The VPA, they, they supervise the major Vermont basketball tournaments, high school basketball tournaments. Well, they, uh, they said that in their next meeting, which is actually going to be March 13th, they're going to decide whether or not to change its rules or its membership criteria in order to prevent MVCS from having to forfeit another game. They stood for what was right. And there's a possibility that in the future, this wrong will not be repeated. In other words, they showed courage. They showed bravery. Now, I don't know if all the girls agreed with it. I don't know if it was just the coach, the leader. I don't know how it went about. But the people that stood up and said, no, we will not agree with the lie. Not for a basketball tournament. Not for an injection. Not for, not, not for our rights and privileges. 
we say no. See, that's the important thing. You look at the Constitution, the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2. If Congress did not pass that law pursuant to the Constitution, it is not the supreme law of the land. I don't care what the courts say. Because if you look at the Supremacy Clause, the only thing the courts have to do is follow the supreme law of the land. The judges in every state are bound by that, that document. They don't get to overrule. Only the Constitution can overrule an act of Congress. I'm sure all of us have sung at one point or another the, the uh, national anthem. where They talk about the land of the free and the home of the brave. Does that star-spangled banner still wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? I got bad news for you, ladies and gentlemen. The answer is no. Not completely, but there are a significant percentage of the people that are not free and are not brave. They are not free because they are not brave. And my evidence is 200-plus million Americans that submitted to an experimental treatment because the government said so. They were afraid to stand up. I know people who were coerced into taking that jab. They were not brave enough to say no. And they ended up submitting to tyranny. I've told the story before of when I received a, a federal subpoena that would require me to go to Arizona and I told the, 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 the person I was dealing with at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I will not take the jab. I will not take a test. I will, I will only wear a mask under duress, and I will not be quiet about it. I didn't ask. I told. I was brave enough to talk to that person over the phone and say, no, these are my limits because I am free. We need more Americans to grow a spine, to understand that you are only free as long as you are brave enough to protect your own freedom. If you're too insecure to protect your own freedom, you are not free. You are subject to whoever you hand that power over to. Now listen, I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it was the ridiculous actions of the current administration. I don't know what's led to this, but I'm meeting more and more people that are starting to bow up. They're starting to show a little bit of bravery that, that maybe we will stand. Maybe we'll start to push back. I'm actually working on a, a new product for the Constitution study that will be, among other things, a, a kind of a mini boot camp where we will set a foundation so that those who are willing to stand, that are brave enough to stand up, will have a foundation to stand against the attacks and the onslaughts. I'm still working on that. Hopefully I'll have it. Uh, I'll have some news on that in the next month or so. But that's the idea. How do we get brave enough? I believe we get brave enough when we link arm in arm, when we stand together against a tyrant, when we can agree on something to stand against and we do so. That's where I believe our bravery will come from. It's not the first person that stands up to oppose. That, 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 there, that person's brave, but that's an individual. The second and third person joins them. They're brave when everyone else starts falling behind them, that they their bravery grows when they see that you can stand and they join in. And if you want to hear more about these brave men and women, 
Well, join me every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Constitution Study on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen to the podcast. The episodes come out a day or two after they're heard on the radio. Find them in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe, rate the show, give me a review. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links to the homepage of America Out Loud, but we must share them. Find that spot within you where the ember of the sacred fire of liberty still glows. Use that to build your courage and share the blessings of liberty. Liberty.